0: Hot round, Red 7! Red 7! Red 7! Don. What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't... What is hot route?
1: Will you just go stand on the other side, please?
0: Billy Bob! This is
1: it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run downfield field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it
0: the annexation of Puerto Rico. That's what we call a sack lunch. Mm I need that ball. Get
1: me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the ball?
0: ball. ball. Welcome back to another exciting edition of Eleven Personnel. The fifty. First edition of Eleven Personnel. We've been doing this for one whole year, Adam Luckett. Pandemic, be damned, and we only miss one week. I, I think that's pretty good, if I do say so myself.
1: Good pat on the back, Mister Roush. <laughs> I, I was kind of—I'm surprised we made it this far.
0: I—I I was just mad that when episode fifty came up last week, I didn't look up which number we were on until I was editing it after the fact. I was like, "Damn it! I should have. We should have like." had confetti or streamers or at least like the little kazoos, you know, the but didn't have any of that celebration. So I hope you all pop some bottles for us. I hope it was Bud Light time for you because you, you had a birthday to celebrate too.
1: I did on Tuesday, my man. 31 hits a lot different than 21. I will say that.
0: Damn, you're old like it. I know. You're you're, you're in your 30s. I'm still in my 20s. I'm entrenched now. Now I'm a Two years in the thirties. What would be a thirty-one package? We're eleven personnel. What's thirty-one personnel?
1: Is it uh, th- three running backs, one tight end. So it's a little off. wishbone. Wishbone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? If there was ever going to be a Kentucky football team to do a wishbone, why not now? Mm-hmm. We'll will smoke or Rodriguez. They play did. Zeros.
1: They did do that kind of when Neil Brown was here. That inverted wishbone. Where they would have uh, they would bring just the tight ends in and in, in, uh, behind the guard, and then they'd have to run it back in the back. So Kentucky sold air Raid, and then they were run an
0: inverted wishbone because <laughs> they could pass I love that on uh, one of the uh, it might have been the NCAA football game, either you know, that or Madden, but they just called it Full House. It's like what, yeah, Full House backfield. What do what you what do you just running out of names? So you're just like you know what? Let's go to the card games. I can't mm-hmm. wait to see Royal Flush. Which by the way, while I mentioned video games real quick. I swear to God, if I see people complain one time about a stupid video game ranking, my head's going to freaking explode. It's the dumbest. I, I, there, of all of the developments from just living life on the internet, Madden ranking arguments is number one dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Shouts to it. EA Sports for providing a bunch of people some content. Oh, man, I bet you – This has been weeks now of that going on. I'm just – I'm surprised that I didn't see more of a reaction from the Louisville fans because Lamar Jackson had like an 80 and break tackle instead of a 90 in every other category. (laughs) Dorks. Oh, God, it just drives me nuts. But you know what? Today is a day to be happy because since the last time we talked, uh, we've had a lot of developments. uh, Not necessarily bad. uh, And actually, I think there's been more good developments, more positivity flowing uh than anything else and first and foremost we got ourselves up some phil steels to go around cheers to that adam Bucket. phil Steeles all around it's officially it's, football season it's a, yeah it's officially july it's not july until i get phil
1: still we got it a little later this year usually mm-hmm. we get it a couple weeks prior to right now but, but how much it. have you how much have you dug into it
0: well here here's the thing is i so my initial, well, I, I was I was going to try to save it till then, but you know, let's just dive right into to our Phil still consumption. So our friends over at Eleven Personnel, Drew Franklin and Matt Jones, they love to tease Phil and his power sweet picks, and it's very our easy friends at free our free money friends. Yes, we, but like Phil is great at the preseason stuff. It's very detailed, um, and he has a method to his madness. But here's the thing. And it's something that I, I don't think I picked up on as much until they started bringing up all of his different picks. This dude really sells himself like no other when it comes to. Oh, uh, I I just want to pull up the page of his sleep. self promotion. I mean, his his um. This goes back to his uh, his most improved teams or it wasn't even – I don't think it was his most – yeah, his most improved teams. And so – or who will be this year's surprise team? And this article was three pages, and if you've seen Phil, I mean, it is just never-ending font. It's not exactly easy to read, and he uses a ton of numbers. So he's going back to his surprise teams all the way back to 2002 and basically riddling off every year bragging about how his surprise number three team – Ended up winning the national championship, and then you go to look at his surprise teams for this year, and oh, Texas A and M is your number one surprise team, Phil. Gr- uh, that outside of the box thinking there, nobody's picking that. Yeah, like oh, the North Carolina Tar Heels. I mean, of course, that's the part where I got kind of mad. And like Virginia Tech, of course, Virginia. They've got that Rashard Ashby back. Hannon Hooker, of course, like this isn't exactly rocket science, but I will say that in all of his kind of bragging about getting things right in the past, he does keep it consistent. Like the way Phil Steele has done things in 26 years, he's only made slight changes. And I think look at the biggest thing and the most significant thing that he does is his, um, is his, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Let me get the exact phrase pull up. His experience chart. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, for all of these college football folks, the the basics of it are, what are you bringing back and who you got coming in? And Phil's experience chart, it account it, it's all of the lettermen that are returning, it accounts starters, and then it also puts an extra weight on uh, quarterback production returning, because... Uh, No matter which way you cut it, quarterback play, it it matters significantly in how a team's going to do this fall. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty important. So, so in Kentucky, in his experience chart, last year they were 105th. Uh, Obviously, you're losing – He mentions this
1: too in every – you don't even have to go through. Like, these first 20 pages are just him kind of like throwing out, you know, his top draft eligible players, his most surprised teams, his – uh, his most improved teams, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But he just meant – if you just go read through um, each team's post, he'll throw all that stuff in there.
0: Especially yeah, when it, you
1: just read the – the little overall section is really um, the most important thing to read. It's and important. every
0: time he talks about Kentucky, it, he's – it's uh, on the experience chart. Because they're jumping from mm-hmm. 105th to 39th, and – some of that's quarterback play, but a lot of it's you really only lose Lynn Bowden uh, when it comes to returning tackles, returning yards. And that's the big, I think it's the biggest jump in the SEC. And they might be, I believe, uh, when I looked at it, Tennessee was the only team that had more experience uh, on there as well. And that's why a lot of people yeah, are saying, well, right. this is probably going to be Tennessee's year. Uh, the only difference is that Tennessee's got a, a messy quarterback situation with. God knows who uh, running with a guy who doesn't know how to work a telephone, potentially playing quarterback for him. And they just lost the starter on the D line. Yes, who uh, the the nose guard who he tore his ACL last year. uh, Mm -hmm. Was it Dwight Gooden? Is that his name? Emmett. Emmett. Yeah. Uh, And then was arrested for domestic assault, kicked off the team. But uh, Kentucky, I I thought of all the takeaways like it, Kentucky. I mean, it, it echoes what we had already said before, but the experience is, is good to see it backed up with with Phil's chart. And then you look at his top
1: twenty-five SEC East is kind of stacked, man.
0: Yeah, and, uh, they're what fourth on it? the The fourth SEC East team in that, and mm-hmm. they're they're ranked in the top twenty-five at twenty-one. Which, right? Hey, Tennessee's right above them. I think at like twenty or nineteen. When was the? That's another good question. When was the last time we? had a Kentucky football team preseason top 25? Not you, in my lifetime. I mean, in anyone's lifetime? Is there anybody listening to this out there right now? I mean, I'm sure that 75 team, back-to-back, 74, 75, they had to be top 25.
1: The only thing – or the only caveat with that was they were on probation, so they
0: might have not – They might have not ranked him in the preseason. They would have been ranked, yeah. right. Texas A&M was also higher on his experience chart, by the way. But, yeah, no, I – it feels good to be in a preseason top twenty-five. It's just that this is the uh, this is the one year where <laughs> where they're in the preseason top twenty-five, but they he still hasn't finished in fourth in the East, just ahead of South Carolina, uh, mm-hmm. Missouri, and a distant distant Vanderbilt. If
1: you re- if you read the language, them in Tennessee are pretty daggone close. I think the just the coin flip was the games in Knoxville.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, there there's uncertainty around each team's quarterback play. On the one hand, you don't know if Joey Gatewood will be there to provide depth in the event that Terry Wilson isn't who we thought he would be coming off injury. And then on Tennessee's hand, you just got a, a mixed bag um, of, who are we going to pull out today to play quarterback for us? And, right. Um, so – Man, that game being at Tennessee is annoying as hell. And of course, two of the the weird stats that Phil did throw out about Kentucky were how bad the Cats have been in their SEC season finale up until up until beating uh, Vanderbilt last year in the the SEC finale. That was the first season-ending SEC win in I don't know eight nine years uh, and. All of the ones on the road, <laughs> so it it hadn't been good, it hadn't been good like it. Well, you have to think about for the longest time. Tennessee
1: was always the last game, and they've yeah. they only beat them once at the end. That was Joker's second season. So it was probably the last time they in twenty seventeen when Stoops beat them. That's when they they started messing with that schedule, and now they play on October around the, yeah around yeah. Halloween. Mm-hmm. So when it when it's in uh, Lexington at least, so obviously. It was the same with the – can never win a first SEC game. Like, Kentucky only had won a couple over three decades. That was because Florida was always the first (laughs) SEC game. So, when you have three-decade-long losing streaks almost, you have some other trends like that.
0: Right, right. Uh, And, you know, there's there's plenty of other kind of really nitty-gritty numbers. I'm not going to go through every single one of them. But the one thing that I did find interesting, Luckett, that that probably surprised me more than anything else was Kentucky's depth chart that he has listed.
1: Feel big on Kelvin Joseph, my man. I think he Which, had third or fourth team all SEC.
0: Yeah, and that both of those things, like it, are surprising. In that, of all of the all SEC, like Kentucky had the second best pass defense in the nation. First in some metrics, but one of the best secondaries in the nation. And they return to everybody except Jordan Griffin. And the guy that you have representing that unit is somebody who didn't even play last year. He's a big man of boss man, Big fan of Bossman, fat. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I was a little surprised with that. No use of Corker. Uh that's surprising at all on all the teams.
0: Yeah. Uh I, I don't I, I guess Th- that one doesn't make much sense maybe because he didn't have the kind of PBU or interception stats last year. I don't really understand that one. But Bill but also does
1: the old just plug in four DBs. So you have a lot of corners
0: on there, Not so not so many or as many safeties. But in the actual depth chart, he does go position by position. Right. This is pretty close to the depth chart that I would create. Justin Rogers – See, and that, that's the, where the two differ. He has Justin Rogers ahead of Phil Hoskins, and he also has Jeremy Flax as the first team left guard. Now, look, I know Phil talks to most coaches for the season, and they—they they, the conversations he has with them really helps him fill out the depth chart. So, knowing that, I tend to think that that's where the coaches' heads are at with the caveat that he typically tweets out a big thank you to whoever he just talked to. Yeah. So, I don't think he does. So I think I it seems to him on speed dial. Yeah, so I, I I don't think I saw one of those tweets from Phil. So to me he's leaning on recruiting rankings here. All right. I, I didn't know I didn't know if whether to think more on recruiting rankings or yeah. on the he's talking to coaches.
1: I think with Calvin Joseph, Justin Rogers, and Plax, he's leaning on recruiting rankings.
0: Especially when you look
1: at those positions. Well, Flax, you've got an unproven guy and horse who's never really played. And then Rodgers, him over Phil Hoskins is a a bit of a surprise. Uh, But that's a big-time recruit. That's a kind of caliber recruit that Kentucky never gets. So Mm -hmm. you see that, you probably automatically think, well, he's probably going to start if he's coming to Kentucky.
0: Yeah, and I feel like the the coaches are pretty high on Phil. And so I I – I would see them giving the yeah. six-year senior the nod over the true freshman. I have, I have a little hot
1: take about that defensive line room. Oh. I'm what? not so sure Justin Rogers is the best freshman defensive lineman coming in.
0: Oh, who do you think is the best freshman defensive lineman coming in?
1: My favorite one coming out of high school was Hayes, Josiah Hayes.
0: Ha, 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 ha. I just ha, think ha, ha. he's got
1: the total package. Whereas Rogers, you know, he played both ways. They got, A lot of people thought he was a guard. Where Hayes, I think he could play all three positions on that three down front for Kentucky. I think he could be a nose guard. I think he could play, you know, the four, the three, the five technique. I think he could do it all. And those Mississippi guys, man, they they usually produce, right, yeah. away, especially the high-rated guys in, in this league.
0: And, no, that, that, you make really good points like it. Um, man, it in and with Rodgers as well. I believe he got here a little bit late. Of course, the learning curve is going to be much steeper this year because everybody was off campus. So, uh, having him in general ahead of a senior is I think a little bit uh, a little bit much and also on the defensive line. It's more about I mean the the old saying is it's not who's starting to finish the game, and that's going to be the case a lot of time with these guys. They're going to be rolling in and out. They're going to be at least ten deep
1: on that D-line this year, rotation-wise.
0: And really the only team you got to worry about getting stuck on the field with some guys is Mississippi State. Well,
1: the thing with Leach, though, is they don't move a, a whole awful fast. It's not really a tempo offense. He, he There is some ball control, too, that, like, they will take their time. They're not running, sprinting up to the line of scrimmage.
0: So, substit- you can't substitute against them. It would be. I, I, I'm i just curious. Like, Dracowicz is
1: pumping pump, – he's pumping this hurry-up spread attack. With what quarterback? Yeah. But I, the times I've watched his offenses, I've never thought, you know, this is some high-octane, like, pedal to the metal. Oh, so he sounds like t- every other first-year head coach. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we're going to run tempo. about trying to sell tickets that people aren't going to even be able to
0: buy. <laughs> While we're on quarterbacks, uh, I would I would like to point out that so Phil ranks every single position group in the SEC. He ranks them nationally too. And Kentucky had, I think, fifth-ranked offensive line, and then he ranked their defensive backs and special teams fifteenth overall mm-hmm. in the SEC. These are his quarterback rankings. Georgia, AM, Florida, Auburn, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State are all tied for first. And
1: then he's, pretty, he's probably
0: not wrong, man. Tied for second, AK. Now this seventh. was this before JT Daniels. This was before JT Daniels. Yeah, they, they I think you gotta put them probably at number one. And and then the second tier is Alabama, LSU, Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina, Arkansas. Missouri thirteen, <laughs> Vanderbilt fourteen. So it's really two tiers, and then uh, and then Missouri and a distant, distant fourteen Vanderbilt, which is I, I that's just hilarious to see it on paper. Because you're, I mean, it might not be that far off because you're really splitting hairs. Oh yeah, I'm. With I'm. I'm Trask with... or Mond, but like, I mean,
1: I'm I'm driving the Bryce Bryce Young. Like he's the best quarterback in this league. And I think if he plays, he'll probably be first-team all-SEC. Yeah. But do you remember a couple years ago, like when the league was down, that it was probably like 2014-15, the big issue was just the, the quarter play, quarterback play
0: was kind of stuck. A.J. McCarron was like the best quarterback. Right. In the SEC.
1: It's, <laughs> this year is kind of looking like it in a certain way. But I think the, the league has some better offensive play callers now than it did back then, too.
0: Yeah, there's, there's Mullen been a at lot Florida. More Leach league,
1: Kiffin's back. We got a brows here at Arkansas. Oh God, a brows LSU's actually throwing the football now. Jimbo's back in the league, so you would think since the play calling's better, but there is definitely a sense when I when I looked at this, just qu- quarterback play, kind of everybody's kind of I think gobbled up together. There's no real. There's no real Tua and Joe Burrow that are heads and shoulders above everybody else. I think everybody's pretty close.
0: Right, right. There's nothing clear. Um, and and to, to mention all of the kind of teams cobbled together is, is that SEC East where uh, I know you want to talk a little bit at length at just the depth of it, mm-hmm. but... This feels like a Georgia is down kind of year, but it's only because they're retooling their offensive line and they're going to have a brand new quarterback for the first time in a while. They've got, uh, you know, forty blue chip guys. Tennessee, right. same thing. When you if you if you base it just off of recruiting rankings across the board, uh, the, the talent hasn't been there uh, in the SEC East in quite some time. I think the difference, like it is you just don't have the uh, Back in the day when you you thought of the SEC East being dominant, there was, like, three great teams, and you don't have that this time around.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a debate whether you can consider Florida among that, you know, kind of top six, seven group in college football. I mean, Mullins produced, you know, 23 wins or whatever it is the first two years, two New York Six Bowls. No bad losses, a couple upsets. Uh, on a big stage, they've kind of gotten punked by Georgia a little bit. But they're, they're up there. They've got a lot of attention. Georgia, just – it's really just recruiting star power, like you said. They just have maybe the most talented roster in the sport. If not, it's right there with Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State. Like they're right there defense. with them. Right. Well, that's, I think, the story with Georgia. I know everybody wants to talk about their offense, but that defense is – I mean, it's going to be the best defense in the country they're going to be buck nasty but in the like what does that what does that do though like because this seems like a defense where Kirby's probably gonna be like all right offense don't mess it don't
0: mess it up the score we'll win 10-3 you score 17
1: points and we're probably gonna win the game so I mean you know especially in it with a league that might have a lot of quarterback issues too but he's also but at the same time he's brought in this Todd Munkin to upgrade a passing game, and he's got two marquee transfer quarterbacks. So how he balances that whole situation I think is going to be interesting.
0: Yeah, I – uh sorry, I got a little distracted. Elijah Moore is still playing college football. Didn't know yes. that. Thought he was a long guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wide receivers stacked in this league, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think there's one guy who might be – well, two guys that are kind of head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, Jamar Chase, ever heard of him? Jalen Waddle, ever heard of him? He doesn't mm-hmm. even have Jalen Waddle as a – I guess he's got him as a returner, but he doesn't have him as a first-team receiver.
1: Devontae Smith, Alabama, George Pickens, Georgia.
0: I wouldn't t- – take uh, Jalen Waddle, that dude's a freak. Um, yeah, he's freaky. <laughs> now, I, I, I mentioned old mess, I like it. It's time to talk about the Egg Bowl. Egg Bowl, we're going to Egg Bowl, and today, one of my favorite. Like, it's 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 probably one of my favorite Mississippi football stories in at least six months. <laughs> and that is, Lane Kiffin comes to town, and you know he's trying to fill out his next recruiting class. All right, he didn't. He had I don't know a few weeks to to get that twenty twenty class together. Uh, John Summerall goes and swipes Josiah Hayes from him and says, Oh, you thought you had this guy? Ha, not. But he's still trying to get his guys together. And it's typical if a a a kid that committed to another coach, if he's not going to stay around in the league or you know, for the same team, you know, you got a new coach coming in. It happens. There's some turnover. Well, this time, like it, it was with a kicker which kicker okay they're does dozen. but the kicker that he said uh, buddy sorry see you later it's the mayor of oxford mississippi's son so the so that kid decommits love an this Egg bowl podcast his, oh my gosh so that kid decommits and uh, 40 minutes later the new kicker commits saying see you oh. later only Kiffin's out here flipping kickers. He's flipping kickers, <laughs> and not only a regular kicker, but the kicker whose mother is a politician in town. Look, what do you think is going to happen if this new kicker misses an important field goal? You think those boosters and those political, all the important people hobnobbing in the Grove, you think they're going to like like it? I mean, this is just a recipe for disaster, and nothing would make me happier if Lane Kiffin flipping a kicker. Starts his downfall before he even plays a game.
1: Yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know how much sway that mayor of Oxford has in the old miss um, booster crowd, but.
0: Right. It's not like T. Boone Pickens at, or RIP uh, at Oklahoma State, but there's still a. Uh, I'm just, I'm so fascinated about this the, story. Just, <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. One
1: thing about COVID is taken away is. It it robbed us of these three weeks in the summer right now of all the sound bites we would have got from Leach and Kiffin mm-hmm. at media days, and then that would have been a huge talking point just down to And then you would have seen a bunch of articles written about um, the Egg Bowl upgraded, how big that game is, how awesome it's going to be. Now we don't kind of get that hype, so that that really it's it, a real that shame. Stinks. Yeah, it's a shame.
0: So the the. <laughs> What's even better is that uh, Bunky Perkins, very funny Twitter follow at Bunky Perkins tweeted out a screenshot of the mayor of Oxford, Robin Tannehill <laughs> tweeting out uh, never kick field goals, score touchdowns. That's a Lane <laughs> Kiven tweet that she retweeted. <laughs> oh man. The egg bowl. It's so stupid. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, And like you said, we're missing out on the best of the best right now. But it happens. Uh, Egg Bowl is stupid storylines. aside, The big storyline around Lexington this week, CJ Conrad, which I don't – I don't – we don't know what the CJ stands for. Have we ever known – Was it on his Kentucky bio? How how do I not know this? I I would think that, like, whenever he would do something – really good i would say i would, I would just assume say his it was name. just
1: a uh, junior like, i think Cameron that's a like 50, 50, 50 50 shot
0: on a lot of those J's. you're right like terry jr um man this would be really annoying uh, well his dad's name's mike
1: so it's not that hmm. i'm on his uk bio right now
0: oh man yeah i just pulled it up Wow, you're all going to have to let us know what C.J. Conrad's name stands for. Maybe it's C.J. It's just it's just C.J. <laughs> it's just C.J. But C.J. Conrad, he is returning to the University of Kentucky to be a grad assistant this fall. It's an off-the-field capacity, so there will be some dumb rules, you know, that he must abide by. That He's restricted from doing this or that or the other. But nevertheless, he's going to be helping out the tight ends, watching film, back in the building after only one season away and we we talked to him today and you want to talk about a dude who is the victim of poor timing. Yeah. I, I don't whew. like when he laid it all out there I, I knew the timing was bad but I just didn't realize how bad until he kind of laid it all out there today. It's hard to make it in that league man and a
1: lot of positions are kind of a dime a dozen, so you, you got
0: to hit it right. If you don't hit it right, you can get passed over pretty quick. And I, I remember that, I, remember that I, I pulled up the Mel Kuyper article where he rated CJ and Josh Allen as the top draft-eligible college football players at their respective positions going into that 2018 season. And to go from that to undrafted and signed to a practice squad it was it was all because of one medical test now luckily cj has a good head on his shoulders he's like you know what there were about two and a half weeks where i didn't think i was going to even get a shot so i'm just lucky that i at least got my shot the problem that he had though like it is so he he gets his practice squad shot um and the giants are like you know what we want to keep you around you're going to have to, you know, keep working through OTAs and kind of earning your key, but we want to keep you around. Well, then OTAs get canceled, and they start drafting more guys. And really, whatever opportunity he had, it was gone and for they had And they changed coaching staffs, too. Right. So whatever shot he had, it was done, and he had to try with a new team. Well, as he put it, he, there was only six or seven or eight teams. He said basically 80% of the league didn't even want to mess with him after his medical condition, even after he got cleared. Um, And so you narrow your window to six or seven teams. Oh, and then a pandemic happens and you can't even work out for him. It really was just like the man above giving him two big middle fingers saying, you know what? This ain't for you. Because you get an unexpected heart condition and then you have uh, a, a pandemic happen i mean i can't think of a worse i mean aside of like a a jay williams kind of incident where it's you almost die kind of deal like right two unforeseen circumstances out of his hands but to hear him be kind of upbeat about it it was like you know what i was just kind of tired of sitting around i got my shot it didn't work out on to the next and i i appreciated his uh his attitude about it because if I was in those shoes, there's no way I, I could have that same attitude about things.
1: It, it stinks. It just absolutely stinks. That, that day at the Combine, just when he got that test, changed everything.
0: Absolutely brutal. And then he it, couldn't
1: – the train was off the tracks and just couldn't get it back on. But now he's back in the program. And I think that's a healthy thing for a program to have successful players like that come back
0: mm-hmm.
1: and be still be a part. See it with Courtney Love. Now, Maxwell Smith, even.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And now, um, CJ Conrad coming back. I think that's a good thing overall.
0: Yeah. And cor- I mean, and those are all, you got a quarterback, uh, team captain linebacker, team captain tight end. And mm-hmm. CJ and Courtney, they were roommates too, which I had forgotten. But um, so uh, that is a good point. And I, I do think it is going to be kind of a weird dynamic because. Like aside from Big Nick, he he was playing with all those guys, you know, two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, and same with Courtney Love too when he came back. Right, right. So, um, but I, I I like seeing CJ back. You'll never believe this, bucket. Like Somebody asked if we're going to throw the ball to tight ends more. Hey, <laughs> tail as old as time. That question will never not be asked.
1: You know what's going to happen here, Mr. Nicholas? It's finally going to happen? Keaton Upshaw is going to get about 45 receptions one year, and we're going to get this call. We throw to the damn tight ends too much. Throw it deep. You're going to get that. Just I mean, I'm telling you, it's coming.
0: Oh.
1: <laughs> and then somebody's going to ask Eddie Grant about it at, about, at a Wednesday afternoon when you're all at practice, and he's going to give some look, and you're probably just going to shake your head. Because I can't – how we've come full circle. Just you write that down. That's going to happen.
0: All right. I'm put, I'm I'm penciling it in right now. Um, but I – hell, I, I, I was just kind of fishing for a quote and ended up – I was like, well, what, what can you all even do at 12 personnel? Because he was like, you know, we look four deep out there and we should be able to play a lot of guys. And naturally, play action was brought up. And that was unprompted. Not a we're going to throw the ball to tight ends more. So hopefully that becomes um, more of a key component. Because like why? Yeah, I agree absolutely. Especially with
1: this this personnel
0: they have on the team right now. Right, and and it doesn't feel like it's rocket science either. Like that should be a very
1: and it makes job makes the quarterback's job easier, especially with this offensive line where you can just lean on people. mm -hmm. Got a stable of backs you Use them in ways to help your passing game, and I think that can be a big way to help it. Is some play action and giving your quarterback who is coming off a major injury to get him some confidence and to get him some swagger and to get that passing game going, which they which they desperately I think want to get revved up.
0: Yeah, well, and all of the guys you mentioned to the the they finally worked out for coaches this week, which. That it, it we're one step closer to normal. Like it when you actually have coaches watching players do things. Uh, Perry is doing on the basketball end, football doing the same. It's not practice, practice, but it's better than nothing. And and I you know uh, we haven't gotten whispers of who's doing well. They're gonna be they're gonna keep that stuff kind of tight lipped for now because it's really just glorified conditioning. Uh, at this, yeah, I point, love those whispers too. Oh, like yeah. this defensive lineman or somebody looks good. It'll be like a receiver will catch right. right. A long pass. So you're when like oh, have man. a one hand grab. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, Do you remember
1: the, the Dorian Baker hype going into I guess it was 2016?
0: Was that the year he got hurt?
1: No. Twenty six or it might have been. Maybe it was twenty fifteen. There was like that. He caught the ball like one, they had a one hand grab they released and they caught they saw Drew Barker was calling him American Pharaoh.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a great quote. That was <laughs> – And there was all this hype around him, and he was just, you know. Barker didn't great, get the memo that uh, only Louisville solid. people are supposed to call their wide receivers horses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think that was the year he ended up getting hurt, though, because there was a – Yeah, you a might be right.
1: You might be right on that.
0: It was a ton of hype that year. But receivers inevitably going to get hype. Like, I'm sure, like, TV Williams caught a long pass once upon a time, and they are like, Oh, man, that T.V. Williams, he's so fast, but it was probably just like a receiver, you know, balling and Simon of some sort. Um, I will say, though, the whispers, it's going to be hard to get some of those out now because the kind of folks who would get visitors' passes to go in and watch practice, I don't think they're going to be able to hand out visitors' passes yeah, all true. willy-nilly uh, this year. So he- hearing true. stuff like that, it's going to be harder to come by. But practice is ongoing. So good to hear. Uh, never Still was.
1: moving forward. Um, we posted it at the site, today, but it was pretty much the guy who runs those Atlanta kickoffs, I guess his name's like Greg Stokin. Yes. Um, he did an interview with Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports. He's talked to Dodd, I think, a bunch, and he's written about him a couple times now. It's pretty much what he's saying is that he was worried about losing those kickoff games. There's three kickoff games in Atlanta. Right. It's West Virginia, Florida State. And then Labor Day Sunday is supposed to be Virginia, Georgia. And then week two, it's supposed to be North Carolina, Auburn, all played at uh, that new stadium down there in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, he was worried about those getting eliminated, but now it's seeming like the SEC, the Big 12, the ACC, are, are all planning on their conference game plus one, which for Kentucky that it would enable them to play Louisville. So it really it's going to keep those rivalry games, and then everybody else in the league or in those conferences is going to add one game against the team from it, from that pool, from that pool of three conferences. Which nine game schedule, if you can pull it off, I think that's a pretty good idea. There's no there's no going to be none of the cupcake games, right? Playing right. top shelf competition every week. I think I think it could be fun if they can figure out how to do it.
0: Right, right, right. And and they can make it possible. Uh, I, I will say that, obviously, you bring in a whole different element w- than like a professional kind of bubble scenario because, you know, you're going to have uh, two kids on campus. They're going to be interacting with different folks. But if they can make it work, all of those pro leagues, I think of the three major ones, I mean, it was a couple thousand tests and only two people tested positive um mm-hmm. so that was good to see so if they can if they can replicate that to some extent on the college level then we can have this eight game plus one season and some of the matchups would be fun uh, it, like even just the hypothetical ones. Yeah. and uh I, I like the thought of i think just kansas oh kansas is already at boston college because i like the thought of having kansas missouri Playing each other because Be that's awesome. an old rivalry that's been going. Mm-hmm. Texas A and M versus Texas. Those you could two. Have, uh, those two West are v- worse than Indiana and Kentucky when it comes to basketball. You know they're 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 talking trash about not playing each other all yeah. the time. It would have been so much fun to have that game. You could game. have
1: that West Virginia, Virginia, because Georgia plays Georgia Tech and they're scheduled to play. Geor- um, they're scheduled to play Virginia. West Virginia is scheduled to play Florida State. He plays Florida. You could have West Virginia, Virginia. Oh, ordering okay. states they're playing that could be fun
0: yeah that would be fun Um uh, uh we already get it, it, how iowa state can't play iowa
1: you would put a&m would play an old big 12 like let's just play a&m texas let's suck it up and play yeah, well, well i guess texas plays lsu so. yeah
0: that's where that's where there's a hiccup so i ha- Tyler actually has them all listed out on the site yeah um and there could be some snoot like who really cares who syracuse is going to play You know, like there's a couple of those in there that are going to be kind of tough. But uh, TCU and Texas Tech, one of those is going to end up playing A&M. That just feels natural. And I could see Missouri playing one of them, too, because they were. Right. That would make the most sense. Yeah. Um, And then Oklahoma State. Oh, if you did the Virginia Tech, West Virginia, uh, Oklahoma State versus a. Arkansas or something like that. Hey, Mike Gundy. Arkansas is playing somebody. They play
1: Notre Dame.
0: Yeah, yeah, they play Notre Dame already. Which thoughts and prayers to Arkansas? Um, but I, I, Mike Gundy versus like a Miami. That could be a lot of fun. Miami people think Derek King's going to bring the U back again. Uh, they mm-hmm. could end up being, producing a lot of points, so there, there's potential for some fun matchups in here. Alabama's available because of that USC game. Hell, right? Alabama, Oklahoma State, Alabama, Miami—any one of those big names, uh, just make it happen. We're not doing Alabama. I know there was Alabama
1: TCU talk because that game was supposed to take place in Dallas.
0: Oh, so it just so be it a would natural be kind for of fit. TCU to get out to play there, right? Right. Either way, that 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 kind of appears to be what we're looking at, and. Do, what could, do you think that all of this kind of talk, though, in the way that conference commissioners are working together? I feel like we're kind of getting towards that power five split.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, for football, I don't think it'll happen in basketball.
0: Just because of the tournament, they don't have the capacity for it. But in football, I mean, in hell, a perfect why not? world,
1: this season goes off without a hitch, and it ends up being pretty competitive, pretty fun. There's no real dulls because every game is kind of it's good competition it could be like hey what are we doing like you know it's not our responsibility to fund all of these Mac schools athletic departments right and then that in turn could push some of the g5 schools to be like why don't we play in the spring no oh. like the Mac his the, their president or their conference commissioners talked about, they would love to do something in the spring.
0: Whereas Sankey, he, he talked about it the other day, and he was like, we're trying to build a bridge as we snake across the river. So, you know, we would try to make it happen, but that's the last alternative we want to explore. Yeah, that, they that, don't want to do that.
1: And I don't even think you can do it. Like, for that STC and all the biggest conferences, I think five, six games is probably about the max you could do. I think it just totally messes up everything. It, fells a wrench into everything and you're just scraping together to try to play five games. I just don't think it's worth it. Well, the Especially NFL if draft can't go.
0: I know feasibly the NFL draft can move um can move back to as late as like late June or July um to kind of accommodate that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, that that kind of appears to be uh like what are we gonna
1: do with this class of twenty twenty one are we doing December, February signing day, like planned? Or are we going to move it back to possibly give kids a chance to visit some schools? Like, uh, like, what are we going to do there? And then if you figure that out and then you're playing in the spring as well, then that probably messes up the recruiting calendar for the next year. Then you got to figure out how we're going to fix it to get back on normal schedule. I just, I don't know, but that, that's something like they're going to have to figure out as this recruiting situation no one can visit anywhere a bunch of kids are committing without ever even seeing a campus. right right
0: um and and the thing too like it is there's uh i th- this week i it'll it'll be on the site for two on but i'm kind of working on like a, a quote-unquote recruiting big board where just laying it all out who's committed who's uh who who uk is targeting and a lot of the really big fish out there. Now, Kentucky's still, you know, obviously in good shape with Jagger Barton and a few others, but there's a lot of folks out there that if you would, if they, if we we were going to let this recruiting process play out, Kentucky's got a a much better shot at landing them. But since visits are looking unlikely, they're just closing up shop and saying, all right, well, I'm just going to pull the trigger. So there was, there was a four-star kid from Virginia, Gilliam, who, UK was a top eight and they could have had a chance at getting a visit out of him and cracking the code in a normal year, but that's just, that's not going to happen. And Penn state's been recruiting him since he was like 14. So he'll probably end up there. Uh, Damon Payne, who's committing on Sunday. He had a top 10, the five schools he was considering visiting were UK Arizona state. The man must follow some girls on Instagram, uh, Alabama. It was a few others, Kentucky has a shot for the number one. It was really in Kentucky and country. Alabama. In yeah. And, but he's decided, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and commit. If you get it, if you get that visit, you've got a shot. And right now I don't, I just, I don't know how many players Kentucky's the, the, the kind of crazy gets that, you know, otherwise wouldn't get. I, I I don't know how many chances they're actually going to have that, that this year.
1: Yeah. When you look at this recruiting class to me, I think it, evaluating it all comes down to Landon Burton and Kralis when it's comes time to sign, and then the rest of the, the players in Kentucky.
0: It's a good because thing Kentucky's pretty good this year. <laughs> right. Well,
1: it's just – it's been a weird year in Ohio. They've got like 10 top 110 prospects. Nine of them are going to Ohio State. Um, and then after that, you know, there's a lot of players there, but maybe there's some they passed on. Maybe there's some they missed on. Um, they got Armand Scott. David Wallabaugh is a guy I'm pretty high on. Yeah. So, they are recruiting Ohio, but there wasn't the chance to land some star power because the star power was just too high in a way. And Ohio State scooped them all up. Mm-hmm. And then you you go and look at Kentucky's built this kind of South Florida pipeline last few years. And I think it's pretty apparent that they're moving out of there. Bane and ship. Right, and I think they're going more into Georgia, especially South Georgia, which is something we've talked about. And they've recruited well in the South. They're just not – there's not the, the blue chip, but there's a lot of high three-star guys. i got a lot of guys that are not far from being a four-star, having a four-star ranking. So, when you look at this class, like, I think we're going down a row where people are going to kind of compare it to 2015.
0: hmm But – It's not going to have that rankings pop, like – Last right. year's call. It's not going to have three a huge dollars. rankings
1: pop, but I don't think it's going to be as bad as people think it is either. Because as of right now, they've got 13, 14 commitments. commitments. Only the, – the if you take out the punter, only one's a low three-star, and that's the kid at junior college, yeah. Joko Willis.
0: Who
1: so it's a lot of mid and high three-stars. Yeah. Right. Which there's another thing on Willis. Well, I want to get to right quick. Mm-hmm. Did you see – um, Tony Grimes, that big five-star corner that committed to North Carolina.
0: He's uh,
1: graduating yes. early. He's enrolling.
0: The kid from AM there, the California just, kid's doing that, too.
1: The Louisville kid – Louisville just had a kid committed, I think it's like a linebacker, a low three-star linebacker from Georgia, who's doing the same thing. I don't know what Willis's grades are. Um, he's been at junior college for a year. hmm But if his grades are in order, like, get to Lexington. You yeah. You know? Kentucky right, right. needs some – they need a body at inside linebacker. Like, yeah. Why wait around to play in the spring?
0: Oh, that's a that, – that, that's a good point. If and his
1: grades are in order. I don't know what his grades look like.
0: So. Yeah, and, it, and hell, and you don't know what COVID did to how they finished out the credits for the last semester right. or doing stuff over the summer. Right. But if you could somehow get the academic side in order, yeah, why not? Um because I, I, I think with a lot of those JUCO kids, um, I know Kentucky's looking at a JUCO cornerback that's pretty Kyrie Jackson is his name, I believe. Mm-hmm. He's all got a lot of these guys like w- like what's what's the point of playing a, a spring JUCO football season when if you can just go and play a especially spring with you know football some season of them in college?
1: They like to get there early
0: anyway. Right, right. Well, Lonnie Johnson got there, early. Steven Johnson got there, early. Terry Wilson got there early. So <laughs> so I I think JUCO football you're going to see a lot of kids leave. And then California, they're shutting down, uh, I think, all of their high school – football. well, I, I don't know. I mean, it, they've got, like, seven different leagues. You know, they don't – of course, right. California. They don't just don't have one central I think they split it
1: in half. Like, they have a North California High School Athletic Association, and then they have, like, a South California well, High School Athletic Association.
0: One kid who is a – he's a top 300 guy, defensive lineman committed to Texas A&M. They announced California is not playing high school football until him, January, right. and he said three and out. That was his Induces, exact right. – Yeah. <laughs> said he's just well, enrolling in the spring, which, hell, I would do the same thing too. Michigan's five-star committed quarterback,
1: J.J. McCarthy, he's from Illinois, committed to Michigan. He announced a few months ago that he's just like, well, I don't know if Illinois is going to play high school football this year. I'm going to IMG <laughs> this year. And that's where he transferred to IMG, and that's where he's yep. at.
0: Do you really want to go to be in Bradenton, Florida right now? I guess IMG is where they're doing that the WNBA bubble. So, like, IMG's probably got to be good, but how good are all the other schools in Florida they're playing against? You know, like – but, uh, you know, that's a discussion for another day on if you want your kid playing COVID. But it on on a, on a positive recruiting note for UK, uh, we we are expecting some cornerbacks to potentially join the fold soon. Uh uh, I'm I'm not sure if it's imminent, or if it's hell. It, both of them might have popped by the time we're talking today. Uh, one of which is um, from Michigan, uh, as you just alluded to. Uh, Maxwell Hairston, he uh, he got the offer from UK last week from Steve Clinkscale, and he has a, a decent offer sheet. But the just ha- the words he was using, you don't often get a kid talking about getting offered from his dream school, describing kentucky football but that's exactly what happened after <laughs> harrison uh committed he said kentucky was his dream school and I, I believe kansas like kansas state a few others were kind of in the mix steve Klingscale's reputation up there i think uh with the harrison kid if you're saying he's a take then i i'm uh, i have a feeling he'll be jumping on board very soon looking
1: yeah he's a guy that has kind of blown up here the last couple of weeks minnesota purdue um there was another power fly school all jumped on him within a couple of days. So something happened there. Somebody got some tape or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh or it, grades finally came through, maybe. Maybe a great maybe it was a great yeah. issue.
0: I do like though when he uses the phrase dreams. It's a good point of reference to note that when uh Walmart Jackson fumbled and Kentucky started their bowl streak and seven win seasons, he would have been thirteen years old it would have been like a seventh grader. So their impressions of football are significantly different than there are impressions for 31 year olds. You know, you were, they were going up watching Benny Snell. (laughs) Exactly. Whereas like, it's a completely different world. And I think that's good to have that kind of frame of reference um, because the doom and gloom, which happens quite often when you're a Kentucky fan or just when you're a football fan in general, like, Somebody drops a pass, the other team picks it off. Like, you immediately think, like, the, the, the sky is falling. It's just our re- natural reaction. It's all going back to hell, you know. We're, we suck again, blah, blah, blah. Well, these kids don't really remember when Kentucky ever sucked. It's been a pretty steady uphill climb over right. the last five years. So, it certainly uh, – it's just it, – that, that was a nice reminder. I, ho- I hope people realize that. Um, there's also one other cornerback, too. This kid's from Tennessee. And he hasn't blown up as of late, but he's got a hell of an offer sheet. His name's Adrian Huey,
1: mm-hmm. from
0: Nashville, goes Hillsborough High School, and he over the spring he got offers from Georgia, South Carolina, Arkansas, uh, and uh, for a little while uh, people thought he was going to end up at Mississippi State. And um, all
1: the all the crystal balls they were all Mississippi State earlier today, and they've all switched to
0: Kentucky. Yes, um, so coach Queen's doing something right in tennessee and like well, it it makes me so happy to get recruits from the state of tennessee it just does
1: yeah that national area especially has been blowing up here recently um so getting in there i, I brought up noah Josie, who's a four-star offensive tackle from the nashville area kentucky's in on and then last year of course they went out and got trayvon ripka out of the nashville area um he's a little one of the i think uh dixon is Little on the outskirts, but still kind of the national, national metro area. Mm-hmm. And then now again going and getting this Adrian Huey kid, it looks like, who's a skinny, skinny dude. I mean, he's like six one, hundred fifty pounds, hundred sixty pounds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he went well. He went to the opening last year and checked in at one hundred forty
0: one. Wow. I haven't seen one hundred forty one in a long ass what, time. I was going to say, what man? <laughs> I was what? What was the weight? One thirty was the middle our middle school football right. weight. Limit. Yeah. And I was over that in sixth grade. So, I was 150. So, Mm -hmm. that was 25 years. (laughs) Right. But he's got – I
1: think he's got a legit 4-4 kind of speed in the 40. Yeah. So, Uh, he's going to be a burner. Different type of corner.
0: I I like throwing in one of those, right? Because I feel like that's kind of where Kentucky is now, where Stoops prefers the lengthy guys. But then you go out and get a guy like Brandon Eccles and and look what – he did with that year like the little guys they some of them can have that feistiness in them that really overcompensates for their size and i like that from the limited amount of film i've seen now the the one thing i would take away from him is he does that thing where he edits out his tackles before the 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 whistle's blown (laughs) so like you, you see him hitting the guy but you don't see the play actually stop but his instincts on some of these plays where He's supposed to be getting the deep third, but he can see the flat opening up, so he just takes off and hits the guy as the ball's going there. Th- those kind of instincts and the kind of fearlessness that he he attacks uh, players, even if he's not bringing them down, you can you can add some – eat some PB&Js and drink some whole milk. Like, UK can put some weight on you, but you can't coach that speed. So, uh, if, if, in fact, that, that trigger is pulled and he ends up being a wildcat, that's another one that fits that criteria of kind of middle to high three star who's solid yeah. um and, and has he checks a lot of boxes. He may not check everyone uh and be in that blue chip line, but he he does check a lot of boxes and and there's a lot of potential there.
1: Yeah, I think I think and again I getting into Nashville metro area in Tennessee, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, suck I think you time. can realistically hit that area. And get one to two to three players every class. There's enough. They're producing 30 Power Five players almost a class now, 20 to 30 guys that got, who are good enough to play Power Five or right there. So I think, it, and it's, you know, what is it, three, three and a half hours from Lexington?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, it, I mean, I've, I've Steve, made it faster.
1: And it looks like Clinkscale, that's his recruiting area now. And so he's kind of branching out more than just the Detroit area there in Michigan which he's hitting hard.
0: I've seen some of the videos of Broadway too, and we should be getting people out of Nashville. So good job, Clink. You're doing <laughs> you're doing the Lord's work. You're, you're healing us from COVID. Uh, also on the recruiting front, I I alluded to it earlier. I think we got some good news on Jagger Barton. Now this isn't like he's going to commit tomorrow kind of stuff, although our, our good friend Lonnie Demery did tweet out that he's going to be committing August 24th.
1: Well, that is original.
0: Yeah. It's um, his birthday, so. I don't know if that's new scoop, old scoop, but hey, Lonnie said it. If his scoop ends up being right, I ain't going to be mad if, at him.
1: If that's what it is, I
0: feel pretty good about it being Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I I do think that uh, – that I, 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 from what I understand is that Alabama did push really hard early on in the summer, and I think he's pushed back. And it doesn't look They've, like – They filled
1: up too, man.
0: Right, right. So, it looks like – Bama has the last week or so. Yeah, yeah. I think you, you mentioned, uh, like, they got, like, a pair of twins. Twin offensive uh, linemen? The
1: Brockermeyer twins out oh of my Dallas. God. Those sell. Seven...
0: What of yeah. football guys? My goodness.
1: One's the number one tackle. The other one's the number one center in the class.
0: <laughs> um, and they're but... to, And then the dad played at Texas, and they're going to Alabama. Oh, God. Dude, what are you – doing tom herman yeah it's gonna be that's gonna be Jesus storyline god get it together herman um <laughs> uh but i i think the crimson tide are out of contention for jagger Burton, so it's really back down to kentucky or ohio state and uh i mean hell you, saw you look at ohio state, the big dog today
1: they still they've kind of they've got a nice little o-line crop right now too
0: and we go they back might- to it i i was trying to map out the future of Kentucky, isn't Jagger Burton starting as a true freshman on that offensive line? Yeah, I think he's got a pretty good chance. Yeah, so, like, why why wouldn't you? If you can start for a top 25 team in your hometown as a true freshman, yeah. like, why wouldn't you do it? I mean, Ohio
1: State's already got two guards committed in this class that are both ranked higher uh,
0: than Jagger Burton. So, those are the two that are ranked higher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. hmm Either way, I think I the think signs signs are pointing uh, Jagger to Kentucky. Now, they've been sending those Photoshop signs for a while. But I think things are, are looking up in that recruitment. I agree. Um, I, I, there's two other things I want to add, and this actually comes from the world of HBO. So, Greg Senke, he's been doing his little media circus, and I'm not a, a watcher of uh, real sports, and I didn't end up watching it because I could not stop laughing at – the nerd they had interviewing Greg Sankey. Did you see the promo clip, Adam market I didn't
1: see the promo clip. Well, I've watched Real Sports before. Do you remember the guy's name? Dave
0: Scott. Dave Scott. I know you're talking about. I, I'm yeah. Googling him right now. I mean, this guy looks like they pulled him out of an Ivy League library. And he's asking Greg Sankey if he should feel responsible for flying kids to campus. It's like, dude, what? Yeah, no, actually, I take this back. They didn't fly him from an Ivy League library cuz he would then have some sort of remote context of how college campuses operate. This dude's like writing for the New Yorker or something. There's no way you can convince me he knows anything about college athletics. It he is just it is so bizarre to see him in the same room.
1: National media has that uh reputation of having people talk about
0: college sports that don't really <laughs> follow or watch college sports. And Charles Barkley's the only one that we like approve of because he's at least fun when he does it. But that just looked to like, I'll probably end up going back and watching it, but it'll annoy me and I'll just turn it off. Because, um, yeah, I saw Woken kind of release. Oh, yeah. And Woken,
1: Please, just, dude, are cannot,
0: dude, just thinks everything's a smoking gun. It's freaking annoying as hell. But I, I, I think Sankey, if you've paid attention to this process, he stayed pretty consistent. And I, like, he at least is. The way he talks about things, like, it's it's not like Clay Travis is just throwing him softballs and he's just hammering it out of the park. Like, it, it, he's staying pretty consistent, composed, and there's a certain amount of, like, people. What are you doing? It, it's almost like I, I wish he was, like, a politician telling people to, to act right, you know, months ago. Like, that's kind of what he's been doing the last few weeks. But he's at least laying out kind of the framework and kind of slowly leaking out information. And also saying, hey, if these other pro leagues can do it to a certain degree, then why can't we do it as well? And, uh, right. That makes sense. Right. They're, he's just trying to buy time. As much as time – now it's running out. Hey, but baseball started tomorrow. I know you'll be watching – Go the Reds. Yeah. I, the, Tiger's I, going down tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I also – you, did you see the promo for Hard Knocks? No, I did not. Oh, man. And that is that felt normal. Now, will it be on time? God knows when. But the thing that I forgot about, Luckett, when they announced that they're going to be in L.A. and they're going to do a dual training camp for Hard Knocks, there's a really good chance Austin McGinnis is going to be a storyline. Yeah, if he makes the team or not. Because and it it's it's less about him because uh, even when Austin was on our podcast, he's a fairly buttoned up guy. You know, he never wants to get like he he's about his business. He's out there trying to make a living in the NFL. But if you're having a kicker competition, that's that's an easy storyline. Especially, I don't know if Zeron missed any last year. He probably missed some big kicks last year. You could play the big misses. Now, uh now hell, I can't remember his name, and he's got a great memory. The Rams coach. Uh, McVay. McVay. And now Sean McVay needs someone he can rely on in the big moments. And then you cut to uh, them kicking in practice, and McGinnis is just dropping dingers, just banging them through the goalposts. And then during the preseason, well, hell, they aren't even going to have preseason games. But during their little scrimmages, because the LA teams will end up scrimmaging each other, the kicks are going to be full of pressure and they're going to play the dramatic music. And the one dude's going to miss him, and then McGinnis is going to come in and bang one. Boom. He gets the job. Hard Knocks hero, Austin McGinnis. Woo! Yeah. He deserves it.
1: Uh, That's that's another position in the NFL, man. Like, if you get in, you're set. If you're a kicker and you get in, you have to be pretty bad to – get booted voted off the well, island
0: everybody gets like three tries at least right
1: if you're a long snapper it's hard to get in but if you get in you're gonna be there a while if you're a punter it's hard to get in but if you can crack the door you're in there if you're a coordinator or an assistant coach in the
0: nfl once you're in, <laughs> in there you can find jobs in other places Uh, that was Sidney Graham's uh, or Lindsey Graham, excuse me, his testimony today or that congressional hearing with Mark Emmert. He said, you don't see a lot of coaches who lose that make a lot of money. And it was like, uh... (laughs) Uh, Charlie Weiss begs to differ. Uh, Will Muschamp begs to differ. Uh, Need... I mean, come on. The, The list goes on and on and on and on. Hell, you get paid to get fired in college football. Like that needs to be said but like it when I was thinking about the McGinnis scenario I started getting nervous for him the one thing about McGinnis that dude he's cold-blooded man nervous of steel don't let nothing get to him just because those hard knocks camera gonna are gonna be there,